0: Our scripture reading this morning is from Psalm chapter 22 from the Common English Bible. My God, my God, why have you left me all alone? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my anguished groans? My God, I cry out during the day, but you don't answer. Even at nighttime, I don't stop. You are the Holy One enthroned. You are Israel's praise. Our ancestors trusted you. They trusted you and you rescued them. They cried out to you and they were saved. They trusted you and they weren't ashamed. But I'm just a worm, less than human. Insulted by one person, despised by another. All who see me make fun of me. They gape, shaking their heads. He committed himself to the Lord. So let God rescue him. Let God deliver him. Because God likes him so much. But you are the one who pulled me from the womb. placing me safely at my mother's breast. I was thrown on you from birth. You've been my God since I was in my mother's womb. Please don't be far from me because trouble is near and there's no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Mighty bulls from Bashan encircle me. They open their mouths at me like a lion ripping and roaring I'm poured out like water. All my bones have fallen apart. My heart is like wax. It melts inside me. My strength is dried up like a piece of broken pottery. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You've sent me down in the dirt of death. The word of God, for the people of God.
1: In mid-March, when the virus shut our lives down as we knew them, I packed up my work essentials and went home to tend to my then three and a half year old daughter whose daycare had closed. I like so many other parents became a full-time mom and a full-time employee. As it's impossible to do two things full time, it's a constant give and take, a juggling act that left us, all parents and all of us, exhausted. I returned to the church each Sunday and made my way to the sanctuary where we led worship over the radio. It was not until about two or three weeks into the pandemic that I ventured into other spaces within the closed church building. I found myself late one Sunday afternoon on the fourth floor of the building where the alternative worship community that I led used to gather. This space had not been touched since our last worship service. There hung these huge swaths of orange and red fabric, setting the space for the Lenten to Zay style worship services, votives and lanterns waited with wicks unlit. The space felt empty, hollow, waiting for the community that had not yet and has not yet gathered. The space held the grief that I and so many others carried. It is still one of my most vivid memories from the early days of the pandemic because it is more than an image, it is a feeling. The scene of the utter devastation of what was upon us and still to some extent holds us in its grip. A space empty, except for the faint echo of what used to be and what had hoped to be. We do not like to talk about grief in the church. Heck, we don't like to talk about grief period. We humans tend to avoid talk of death, destruction, and loss. Our subconscious may believe that if we push these thoughts far enough away, maybe tragedy won't come for us. Somehow, if we avoid that which we fear and don't talk about it, and instead we like to focus on that which makes us happy. Of course, grief is no fun. No one wants to grieve, so it's no wonder we don't like to talk about it. While I have at times been accused of relentless optimism and cheerfulness, I have learned that grief is a defining characteristic of the human person. It is as core to who we are as joy. Sorrow and grief are in fact two sides or sorrow and grief and joy are in fact two sides of the same coin. As the great American Lebanese writer, Khalil Gibran writes in the prophet, your joy is your sorrow unmasked. When you're joyous, look deep in your heart and you shall find it is only that which has given you sorrow that is giving you joy. When you feel sorrowful, Look again in your heart and you will see that in truth, you are weeping for that which had been your delight. Grief is an intense emotion and experience because joy, too, is intense. The empty beckoning space spoke of grief because of the joy that no longer filled it. The bodies, voices, laughter, music, and worship that had given it life were gone. The grief was so great because the joy had been equally powerful. Grief exists because we have known delight, love, playfulness, and meaningful connection. Grief is the pain of our delight. The last 19 months have brought us untold grief, individual as well as collective. Communities were and are separated, our way of life disrupted. What was once simple, such as a visit to the grocery store, is now laden with worries. Will others be masked? Is my mask enough to protect me? Will my child catch the virus at school? How would my body respond? Are my parents being safe? The mental load is exhausting. The pandemic has brought personal loss, jobs, stabilities, and the death of people we love. Even watching and waiting while someone recovers as you all have prayed and waited with Bruce creates its own grief. You have been away from each other you, and you have had to confront the real fear of losing each other what seemed certain and routine has been turned upside down. The delight of this congregation and the pastoral relationship were threatened. Grief reminds us that everything is temporary and fleeting. While we do not like to talk about grief, the Bible is really pretty good at it. If you spend any time with the Psalms, you will find that the psalmists were very in touch with their emotions, all of them. Joy, rage, fear, sorrow, vengeance, peace, hope, gratitude. It's all there. A healthy emotional intelligence, we call that. My God, my God, why have you left me all alone? Psalm 22 does not sugarcoat the grief. It may be one of the most poetic and beautiful descriptions of the depth of sorrow and personal suffering. I am poured out like water. My bones have fallen apart. My heart is like wax, it melts inside of me. You have set me in the dirt of death. If we are human, we have known or will know this sorrow. If we have ever loved or hoped or cherished or delighted in anything, we will know this type of grief. It is the price that we pay for goodness, for the goodness of life and love. Of course, that's little comfort when we are in the middle of grief. Please do not use that line in a sympathy card. If you say anything, tell the one grieving that you are there and you know it hurts. For there is nothing we need more in the midst of grief when we are poured out like water than to know that we are not alone. Why have you left me all alone? The Psalmist cries, please do not be far from me for trouble is near. One of the most painful experiences of grief is the sense that one is alone, that we carry the burden of our pain by ourselves. This is why our failure to talk about grief is to our great detriment, as individuals, as communities, and as the church. Sorrow can feel all-consuming if no one is willing to enter it with us. I believe we are called into community and into the church not only to worship and praise God together, not only to celebrate and mark transitions in our lives with rituals, not only to work for justice, which is incredibly important, but to hold one another in grief and sorrow. If we cannot enter into grief and loss and sorrow and hurt and anger and even rage, we cannot authentically live the joy of the gospel together. Of course, we know this as it's central to our faith. Resurrection follows death. The psalmist cried out, my God, my God, why have you left me all alone? Not because they believed they were alone, but because they felt alone. One does not doubt God's presence if one is crying out to that very God. The psalmist knew God was near enough to hear their cries, and yet they felt alone. 15 years ago, Bruce and I were in Miami together as part of the then called Urban Young Pastors Gathering. As 15 years has passed, none of us fit very neatly in that category. So we simply call ourselves the Urban Pastors. While visiting a local congregation, we had the opportunity to walk an indoor labyrinth together, each of us a few feet behind the other. When I reached the center of the labyrinth, I sat down and I closed my eyes. What I heard was this soft shuffling of feet. Shh, 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 shh. I was overwhelmed in that moment by the sense of community, mutual support, and love. I was not alone, I was a part of something larger a community of faith, of pastors of beloveds who had chosen and who continue to choose to walk together. We have walked with one another through divorces, the birth of children, marriages, coming out, cancer, job changes, layoffs, trauma. And now we wait and we pray as our friend's wife lay in an induced coma, her body trying to heal from the ravages of COVID pneumonia our constant refrain to our friend, we are here, we are here, you are not alone. The church has the opportunity to be community, mutual support and love for and with one another. Within the church, there are many who walk the path of faith, the often winding, confusing, joyful and sorrowful path of faith. There are those who witness to God's presence in our lives, even when all we can do is cry out, my God, my God, why? Sometimes we hear their feet softly scraping on the canvas, and at others we can barely perceive their presence. And yet they remain, and we are not alone. We may be poured out, but we are not alone. I shared my experience of the lab run with with the other urban pastors to which our friend Kimberly offered this story. She had recently been on a hike where she came across a beautiful spider's web. It was one of those perfect webs where you can see each strand carefully woven together. She stopped to admire the web hanging between two tree branches. And there in the center, was a large spider, undoubtedly proud of her labor. After a time, Kimberly continued on, but she paused to look back. There between two tree limbs hung a spider in midair. She could no longer see the web, just a huge spider rocking gently back and forth in the breeze. The web held the spider whether it could be seen or not still the web was present. In the same way, we are supported by a web of connections, stories, individuals, and communities who have witnessed God's grace and presence in our lives. We are part of a larger story and community, one that goes back centuries and has declared God's grace working and active, even in times of sorrow and grief. A community that celebrates new life after the pain of death.
0: Yes. You gotta it no.
1: We cannot yes. rush it it? We cannot avoid it. We are human and therefore it is part of our existence. But we are not alone. The grace of God made manifest in the beloved communities surrounds us, can and will sustain us. We are here, we are here, you are not alone. So my friends in this time of grief and loss, in this season of pandemic and death, pay attention to the web that is around you. Listen to those who walk beside you, cry out to God in agony. You are seen, you are held, you are not alone. Praise be to God, amen. Let us pray. Oh God, we do give you thanks for your presence in our lives. We give you thanks for Christ who walks with us and for the communities that surround us, holding us together through a web of connections and stories and love. Oh God, in this world that is oftentimes confusing and painful and where the struggles are real and always surrounding us. Remind us that you are constantly present, working in and through us and through in and through communities. In your name we pray. Amen.